0: Twitter removed dick pics, but Matt Taibbi won't actually tell you that in the thread, you know? Yes. This is the thing that the Biden campaign was kind of flagging in this email that seemed to show that like, oh my God, they're asking Twitter to remove um, tweets, right? But actually, f- at least four of four out of five of them were apparently photos of Hunter Biden's penis. Um, Which they, so let's be real. I think it's okay they took that down.
1: <laughs> we do, but they're very envious of it. hear them ring it's time to bitch on the podcast how does it go what's going on people welcome to the situation room podcast i am your host francesca Fiorentini, in the holiday spirit not really but sort of, I don't know. There's something very warm and cozy about this time. Um, It's all of 60 degrees here in Los Angeles. Ooh, brr, I'm never going outside. Um, So good to have you here. Thank you for pressing play. Thank you for uh, watching live. Thank you for being a subscriber um, to this channel on all of its various platforms. I'm so happy you're here. We've got such a good show. Uh, Comedian Trey Crowder is here gonna be so fun the liberal redneck i have him for the next chunk of time so super excited to talk to him about things like the rail strike that is not probably going to happen thanks to congress um and uh we're gonna talk about you know uh mr just intrepid journalist matt taibbi and some of his incredible releases about the most nothing burger story of the century hunter biden's laptop uh which mostly has proven that the guy's cool as fuck that's it he fucks and he does drugs any questions um uh but also the host of the podcast tech won't save us which Mm, can we just underline that a million times? Paris Marx is here. Uh, they're going to be talking to us all about uh, what Elon's takeover of Twitter means for finally recognizing that billionaires owning tech platforms is a very bad thing. And uh, what does this mean for democratizing the internet? What does this mean for democratizing our means of communication? Um, uh, is Mastodon the answer? I don't know. Um, very excited for that. And then finally, we gotta talk about AI people. All right. Everyone's sharing their little AI portraits, including me. Why? Boredom. Why do we do anything? Boredom. Y'all. Yeah, it was six dollars. Yes, I immediately canceled it, but we're gonna talk about what can AI do next? What will it do? Is it going to slowly it is it working on some some sort of like surrogate, Francesca? behind the scenes. And then it's going to supplant me. And then one day be like, welcome to the picture room. (laughs) Don't just bitch about it. Me about it." it. Like forgets what the line is. I'm excited for it. I'm very excited. We have so much to do. So if you're here, my God, like the stream right now, my God, share the stream right now. If you're listening as a podcast, Why don't you go ahead and give this podcast five stars? That's how people find out about us. Um, And, of course, every single episode has bonus content. That's right. A whole extra story from me to you, but specifically for the Frantifa, for those who are patrons of the show, who support this independent show that does not have 99% of the time when I remember to turn off the automatic ads, does not have ads on it. Um, And... Uh, You can get that content by going to patreon.com slash room. Today, we're going to talk about a an entire county went without power. 40,000 people went without power for hours because it seems like somebody shot up the power, like the grid. Because there was a drag show in town. This is in North Carolina. And we'll get into that. What the, f- what happened? Oh my god, it looks like extremists basically shot up an energy grid in order to prevent people from being fabulous. Cool. <laughs> So Trey Crowder is going to join me for that discussion. Um, super excited. Also, if you're a patron, you get 20% off of merchandise, habituationroom.com. You get shoutouts, you get special AMAs, you get access to all kinds of stuff. And I want everyone to know, um, we will throw up the flyer at a, point, uh, a certain point, but in San Francisco on January 22nd, Sunday at 8 p.m., my God, do we have a live show for you as part of SF Sketch Fest. If you're in the Bay Area, get your ass there because my guest is not only Nato Green, but just added Mr. John Idarola in the flesh in San Francisco of the damage report of TYT. You guys, have you can you prove John has legs? I will prove it. John Idarola is going to be there on January 22nd. Hell yeah, we're going to be live. So, Dragon Squad, if you're listening, if you're watching, get there. It's going to be so fun. There's also another guest I have yet to announce, but um, suffice to say, you're going to love them. Um, Sweet. And also, finally, tip the show TBR Live on Venmo, TBR Live on Cash App. And with that, enough yapping. Let's continue the yapping. This is What Are You Bitching About? It's a very important day, of course, uh, because this is the Tuesday, the runoff between Raphael Warnock, Senator Warnock, and Herschel Walker. If Walker somehow wins, like I think definitely we all have that part of us. It's like the part that you save room for dessert. you know that part of your stomach? Well, this is a part of like my soul that's like save room for hope. and that that just kind of dies. Like, if Herschel effing Walker wins, so for those of you listening in the future, you actually this time know whether we've made it or not. But I digress. I want to just name because it is, this has been the week where, uh, ironically, it's been mask off on white supremacy vis-a-vis Kanye West wearing his little weird mask on Alex Jones and, and elsewhere. I'm not sure if it's Balenciaga. I'm sorry to Mr. Balenciaga or Mrs. or Miss uh, if I'm not properly giving credit to your weird mask. Uh, it might also be a Yeezy mask. It might be a whatever the hell his brand is. The point is this. Kanye West is forcing right-wingers to show their whole ass. Like, I mean, and it is the flattest, most disgusting, uh, ripply, uh, stretch-marked, just dingleberry yes i said it dingleberry ass possible but in the last week we have been treated to a whole we started last week we started talking about tim pool right random youtuber who's got like a million plus subscribers we've talked about tucker carlson and kanye west this week it was alex jones The next person in line to have Kanye West on their platform to basically say, look at how this gentle human has been maligned by the mainstream media, even though Tucker Carlson is on Fox News, the most watched network in the country. Look at the way he's been maligned. He's just practicing his free speech. He's just being honest. He's Elon Musk, right? Let's Kanye back on Twitter. This guy's been maligned. Oh my God, how could you? We're just having we're trying to have a discussion. and what does Kanye do? He says Hitler was right. There were good things about Hitler cool, Wow. so rubber hitting the road here, and uh his little sidekick now that white that little nazi uh um. Nick Fuentes is like yeah 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 he's like the the sort of like sickos meme but the come to life he's like hell yeah hell yeah Hitler was right Hitler is good Hitler did have good day like he's like all in but all these other fools who have to play the YouTube game of course and YouTube of all the things they've let slide probably Hitler worship is not one of those things even though they won't let us say abortion in our titles talk about that later all these other people who are like, no, no, no I'm a Nazi, but I don't openly want to say it, and anyone who tells me that I'm a Nazi, I deliberately denounce and are like, no, you're extreme. Now Kanye is going on and be like, aren't we all Nazis? And they're like, uh, oh, God, uh, well, mm, geez, how do I play this one? E. E- they're getting caught out, is what I'm trying to say. That's the end of the rant. They're getting caught out on their own BS because all they talk about all day with the anti woke BS is basically code for I don't like minorities. I don't like black people. I don't like immigrants. I believe they are lesser than me, um and I don't. I don't like women. I believe they should have their rights stripped away. And yet. Part of that grift is saying, I never say that. Of course I believe all people are equal. Right? But now when you have Kanye being like, hey, aren't we all non, aren't we all racist here? Don't we all think that maybe, aren't we all, let's be more specific, aren't we all anti-Semitic? Whenever we say globalists, aren't we all anti-Semitic when we talk, we mean Jews? Don't we believe there's a cabal? Come on, y'all, let's say it. Let's say it with me. And they can't say it with him. They won't say it with him. Because, it. you know, they'll lose advertising. They don't want to give up the ghost because they've basically been, again, coding all their language in order to sort of lead everyone to drink. And then when there's a mass shooting that is inspired by one of their rants, uh, they can just wash their hands of it. That's not what they said. They didn't say Jews. They said globalists. They said elites. So I just love that's what I'm bitching. I'm 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 actually not mad. I'm happy. Ka- I mean, and someone wrote me and I I had the same thought. Like, Kanye, is he doing like a massive, like Banksy prank? Like, is this a intent, like a crazy, most brilliantly orchestrated, uh like put on to basically reveal how all these right wingers are actually like completely full of it? And speaking of Elon Musk who we're going to get into a little bit later with Paris Marx? Elon banned Kanye after letting him back on. Then it was like, anti-Semitism, a bridge too far, open Nazi bridge too far. And then all the Nazis are mad as hell. They're like, Hey, I, who are you talking about? Free speech. Free speech is me being able to say the N word and that the Holocaust didn't exist. And if it did exist, it was good. Right? Isn't that what you're doing? Little musky. Oh, I guess you banned free speech now. I love it. I love it. I'm relishing in this moment because it's the one silver lining we have for the generalized terribleness of everything. Anywho, with that, my guest is an author, a comedian. He's part of the Well Read Podcast and Tour Group. You can check out his tour dates, so many of them, at TreyCrowder.com. It is Trey Crowder.
2: Hey, what's up, Francesca? Thanks for having me back
1: yes thanks for being back that's right if people remember this is trey's second time on the show so happy to have you here yeah um mr crowder what are you you bitch about on your on your socials uh-huh. if any if people aren't subscribed people don't watch they're brilliant they're they're uh inspired <laughs> um they're funny you have these rants that like give me life so i'm wondering What are you ranting about? What are you bitching about today?
2: Well, I'm going to dip into those for a little bit of it because I I kept going back and forth between two possible options because that's just how bitchy I am. And then uh, (laughs) they actually are pretty much they're uh, adjacent to the same two that you picked. So first of all, uh, I said this in one of my videos that you referenced, but I'm still bitching about uh, I'm still mad that Kanye has given right wing lunatics a legitimate like entertainment option for kind of the right. first time because for so long they had to sort the most hardcore ones had to sort of pretend that like kevin sorbo and scott Bayo and gina carano <laughs> were like the master class you know hollywood thespians or whatever like they were uh, and, They're being
1: held back, Trey. yeah,
2: right, for speaking the truth and all that <laughs> stuff. And then, like, you know, had, had to pretend Lee Greenwood's like a first ballot Hall of Fame rock god and stuff like that. I mean, I guess if you like Toby <laughs> Keith, you were in luck, you know, but or and Ted Nugent could shred a little bit, but still, they had limited options. And when it came to rap, they literally it was like fat white Trump themed rappers that they found, you know, at some County fair somewhere and then prop them up outside of one <laughs> of their rallies. Remember
0: that.
2: Yeah. That, that, that That's like all they had for rap, but now they've got, you know, dark, twisted fantasy and college dropout and all that stuff, at least for the nonce. So I don't appreciate that. But the other thing is uh, that I'm bitching about is I really wish the American left would stop allowing its future to come down to the state of Georgia or really just, any southern state, uh, primarily because it stresses me out too much. I mean, I'm glad it's Georgia, and not Tennessee. That's where I'm from, Tennessee. If it was Tennessee, it'd be way worse. There wouldn't even there'd be no suspense, and we'd all be screwed. But so at least Georgia has a chance. But like when it was up to Georgia last time in 2020, I was like, well, that's not going to be good. And then I was wrong. Right. I was pleasantly surprised. But I just really feel like though that's not dice. We need to keep rolling, uh, as far as I'm concerned. And like you said, I mean, I agree. If Herschel Walker specifically manages to pull it out that's going to be <clears throat> a death nail for the last best oh he pulls it out a
1: lot maybe too much honestly
2: yeah so uh <laughs> those those two things and also on a personal note before we start the show i said i'm gonna go run grab a banana or something like that but instead of just a banana i ate a whole container of imitation crab dip because i'm a trash bag uh crab salad imitation crab salad Cause I'm, I also, I also ate a banana.
1: That's not trashy.
2: <laughs> it's fake crab, <laughs> crab with a K, you know, not, not. Oh no. yeah,
1: love. Yeah. yeah.
2: And then, uh, I had a banana, but it was a banana with uh peanut butter and then also a small bag of sour cream and onion chips. So I'm also internally bitching at my own self-control, which is you a running just thing. to all of Yeah. Did you. Right did, before we started. All that together. Yeah. We're gonna be talking. All that together
1: you know. just sounds. Gross. Not good. I mean. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't like I wasn't going back and forth between the banana and the peanut butter and the crab it was like knock the crab out first <laughs> knock the crab out first wash it down a little bit then banana and peanut butter a classic combination okay oh I love it and then after all that you know top it off with one of the little bags a little bag I'm not a maniac of uh sour cream and onion ruffles but yeah you put it all together 5 Those minutes so before good. going on camera and and talking and stuff it's just not not the best choice so i'm internally bitching at myself too so i got a lot of bitching going on right now so it's glad yeah. that i'm here
1: i mean uh rolling on the floor iron chef says i could listen to this man talk about what he ate for a snack all day <laughs> so like i know yeah. Trey, you put a lot of thought and work into your rants and you have a lot of like <laughs> astute things to say politically but you know that people could also just listen to you like then i ate an apple yeah and, uh... oh, you sound just
2: like me. That's great. You've, that been, you've been practicing that. That's incredible. Uh, yeah, no, I don't know. It's, it's honestly, it's a cheat code. I'm very aware of it. It's like, you know, sometimes like I can just say big words and people like that, you know, smorgasbord or whatever. It's like, uh, he said a smart sounding thing in a dumb sounding way. That's neat. I like that. Uh, So, yeah, I mean, I'm not complaining, you know, not everybody everybody has a cheat code, you know, so I'm pretty lucky. I mean,
1: my my husband, Matt, has a cheat code, which is he looks like Groucho Marx and my my our baby laughs at his face more than mine. And it's like, well, that's not fair. He's got the big nose. He's got the mustache. He's got glasses like I can't
2: compete. So I've never met him. But just so you know, earlier pre-show when you went to like, check on the baby at one point i don't know what he was doing he but came in he came into your room he came into the room there and then on his way out he like turned and looked in the camera and held his hand up and i laughed at him is what i'm saying like i thought like, <laughs> i found it funny like he's got hands well, he, he was just like i don't know it was a funny gesture uh it sort of cracked me up so i could see where your baby's coming from is what i'm saying
1: Do you know what he said to me when he came back downstairs what he said um I shook my dick at the camera (laughs) i was like yep that makes sense yeah
2: i could see him Um, thinking about it maybe but uh he opted for just the that and then he left yeah he
1: he he was a coward (laughs) um matt Lieb, everybody uh trey crowder we have two very good stories juicy stories to get into um and i usually have a weekly roundup for better or worse, I do not have one t- today. Um, I apologize to everybody, but on the Patreon, you can listen to the ones that I was releasing while I was like a new mom, like a new, 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 new mom. Now I'm just a new mom who's tired, didn't have enough time. It was a, This is a long story to say I don't have jokes for you guys.
2: but uh, Babies are always a good, like they're pretty ironclad excuse. In my experience, I remember. I've got uh, children, no longer babies, but uh, yeah i'm trash no i think early, but yeah babies were always no no that's that. the excuse yeah, right. the,
1: the excuse i is didn't like, do any of
2: that because you know baby and people are like right we do know yeah there is a baby and then you sort of roll with it
1: exactly yeah. there's a baby i didn't have time just like shut the fuck yeah up. i dare right? you
2: to say something about it yeah like, say something. no one is say going something. to right
1: no that's the best exactly. part. they're like thank you you spared us because sometimes they're not good anyway this is the week where Okay, so this is the week where fallout um, from Congress's vote to effectively, preemptively block striking rail workers uh, continues. And there's a lot of discussion and hand-wringing, you know, what did Democrats do? What didn't they do? Did they sell out rail workers? Did they have to take this vote? And I got to say, Trey, I don't know how much you've been following it, but I was following it, you know, um, and I was like, there has to be a reason, right? Mm-hmm. Like they, they tried, mm-hmm. I don't buy that, you know, all, you know, all these Dems would sort of go along with this. And yes, I know some in both, the, you know, obviously Bernie Sanders in the Senate and, you know, a couple of squad, a few squad members in the house didn't ultimately vote to effectively break this strike preemptively. And no, there's no, mm-hmm. there's no, still, there's no saving grace. There is no part of this that's like, oh, oh, oh no, no, no. Biden and the other Democrats totally had real workers in mind. They're going to get to them. No, it is. It looks bad from whichever way you slice it. Um, it really looks like the so-called most pro-labor president in recent memory. Um, yeah, had his Patco moment, which, you know, Reagan breaking the, uh, the airline um, controllers uh-huh. uh, strike in the 80s. It feels like this is his moment, and especially because so much of this could have been preempted, and this could have also been punted another 60 days, and that was also voted down. So just a little bit of what happened. For those of you who have not been following or feel like it's very complicated, um, it is. it It is, but it's not. Uh, so this is... Um, Oh, no, this is not what I wanted to bring up. That's our next story. This is from In These Times. Um, Why the pro-union President Biden pushing a labor deal that rail workers rejected? Why is he pushing it? Um, So the maneuvering Washington this week comes after nearly three years, three years of union negotiations with the nation's highest profitable rail carriers. Ahead of a previous strike deadline in September, a tentative five-year agreement was brokered with the help of Labor Secretary Marty Walsh and with Biden's personal involvement. But on Monday, um, over 400 trade groups publicly urged federal intervention to preempt a strike. Um, so effectively, there was something that was brokered. the The unions were like, "Nah, this is not good enough for me." You know, we're gonna worth it looking at striking. And 400 trade groups, so read big money, uh, urged Biden to call on Congress to exercise their power under this arcane law, the 1926 Railway Labor Act, which hand ties uh, rail workers and to override the four unions' votes and impose the September agreement without any modifications, meaning without sick days. Uh, Congressional leaders from both parties met with the president on Tuesday and said they would fast-track his request to force the tentative deal and stop a strike, but Sanders and progressive Democrats insisted that any such legislation include at least seven days of paid sick leave, although the unions have been demanding 15. Um, Now, just for some... Sorry, just for what happened, um, Nancy Pelosi put forward two separate measures, a bill to preempt the strike and impose the September deal as it is, and a separate resolution granting rail workers seven paid sick days. Both measures passed on Wednesday. The bill to block a strike and force the unpopular agreement on rail workers passed 290 to 137 with eight Democrats and 129 Republicans voting against it. The separate measure to tack on paid sick days passed 221 to 207 with only three Republicans voting in favor. Um, And then. The Senate voted 80 to 15 to pass a preemptive, basically stopping the strike and then 10 Republic with 10 Republicans and four Democrats And independent Senator Bernie Sanders voting against it. Um, Then the seven days of paid sick leave went up for a vote. That needed 60. It only got 52. Six Republicans voted for one Democrat. Joe Manchin, of course, voted against it. So to sum that. To sum that up. Biden effectively was called on by by, you know, corporations by money and was like, hey, Money said, hey, Warren Buffett, one of the mm. railway owners, said, hey, you got to break this strike. I don't give a shit. The holidays are coming up. Right. Uh, we can't afford to lose money. Actually, we can, right. but you know, we don't want to. And uh, you need to do this. And so what did Biden do? He called on congressional Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, and they put that up for a vote. Now, there was an effort to have this second um, bill passed, which said, okay, there can be seven days of sick leave, sick leave, which wasn't even what they asked for in the first place. They asked for 15 days. And that did pass in the House with Republicans, by the way, and then failed in the Senate. Now, the real thing is this. When you already vote to break a strike preemptively, you're rendering that workforce impotent and powerless to take their own workplace into their own hands, to take their to take anything into their own hands, right? So that second piece, which I understand, you know, progressives like Jamal Bowman worked very hard to get through, it still doesn't mean anything if you already voted to say, yeah, 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 you don't have the right to strike, but here's half of the sick leave days that you wanted. Like, it doesn't actually add up. It's not good enough. Effectively, what it is, is again, Biden saying, I can't afford to have any kind of uh. Any kind of work stoppage, any kind of dip in the economy, on my watch. And instead of squeezing the railway owners and having them suck it up, I'm I'm deciding to openly and publicly let these workers also be the ones to suck it up.
2: Yeah, I, you know, um, the shameless plug. I've got a I've got my own show similar to this one that you're going to be on soon in the near future called Weekly Skews. It's every Tuesday night on my uh, pages and whatnot. And last week we were talking about this coming this building situation I spent the whole time just sort of like screaming at my co-host. It's not his fault, but you know, like why, <laughs> why, why don't I understand why they're doing this? You know, meaning like the demo, it seemed like this was going to happen and it was, Already pissing me off because, yeah, they just really showed their true colors. It's bothered me for years that the Democrats haven't done a better job of, like, regaining their status as, like, the party of working people or whatever. I've always thought – I've thought for a long time that that's a card they should be better at playing in the first place, let alone swinging in the other direction. But it just proves that there's – I mean, with a handful of actual progressive exceptions, like Bernie and the squad and whatnot, accepting them, there's no one – in our you know country's governance that actually gives a shit <laughs> about yeah. uh w- regular people or working people or whatever and i just think that that's a damn shame i mean you the way you summed it up yeah i agree it's clearly that's what happens like you know the fat cats big money called and said like you know it's almost christmas right you know how much money everybody's about to make like we can't have that not happen and a bunch of Scrooges got together yeah, right. and we're and like, like,
1: "Hey, so we killed the ghost of yeah. Christmas future and present mm-hmm. and past
2: and it's made all the more egregious by the fact that it <laughs> it just comes down to something that's a straight up standard in the whole rest of you know the Western world or developed world or whatever you want to call it like paid sick not that it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but all because of that uh yeah, by like fuck absolutely ever. and
1: the, and And I think that the plight of rail workers and like sort of that sounds really dramatic, but it is, is starting to sort of break through like the fact that they often, even when they're working, they get called in like to to get to like work their shift at hours of notice. Right. That they're being asked to operate trains miles long often with only two and even more increasingly only one operator which seems insanely dangerous Mm -hmm. um and and so it's again it's like it's i mean it's some monopoly shit right it's like the if you own the utilities oh i got the train stations you know you're running
2: the board you're doing really well they've like the train companies have been making more money while also spending less on labor like they've been cutting labor and labor costs while their profits continue to skyrocket. So it's just, that means it's the employees that are getting, you know, stretched and screwed over this whole time anyway. And then this just sort of dumps more on top of that. It's not cool. Let me
1: just play a little bit of the, uh, uh, an explainer from Bernie Sanders, um, who might be the only person in reference to Trey, what you're saying, who actually is willing to make a break with the capitalist class is willing to say no, you guys are the ones who need to eat this cost.
2: We have zero sick days. The only days we're allowed to
0: take off are the paid leaves that we have to earn the year prior to it. Four of the 12 railroad unions rejected a recent agreement with rail operators. A main sticking point has been
1: the amount of sick leave for rail workers. If a deal is not reached or forced by Congress,
0: a
2: strike could begin after December
0: 9th. Unions that represent 55% of rail labor have voted this contract down. There are no paid sick days in this national agreement, and that's a problem for our members. It is part of the
1: contract negotiations, the rail workers are asking for seven
2: days of paid sick leave. This is not a radical idea. We're not asking for the world here. We're asking for a few days off a month. Just been with our family.
0: Railroad workers traditionally have had no sick time. And now with the very, very harsh attendance policies that we're faced with, railroad workers get very, very little time off work. And it has come to a crunch point. We're seeing workers leaving the industry, in droves, in numbers never, ever believed possible. People with 15 and 20 years seniority are leaving the industry and there's a crisis out there.
2: This all comes as profits soar for the freight rail industry, which has reduced the rail workforce by 30% over the last six years.
0: Now, it seems to me that if
1: four major rail carriers can afford to spend over 18 billion a year on stock buybacks and dividends, Please don't tell me they cannot afford to guarantee seven paid sick days to their workers and allow these workers to have a reasonable quality of life, which they don't enjoy today. Absolutely. The, the... <laughs> the fact that we even have to, like, industry by industry, tray like, each have our own fight yeah. with business leaders about sick days mm-hmm. is just... I mean, I know. And, a, and the fact that this is like a weird carve out right like I've, right. i know states have their particulars about sick days you know but this is like why is this one industry saved from that
2: yeah i mean it, uh, people don't a lot of workers in america don't realize or don't think about it, i guess because they just don't have a frame of reference but how shitty we are <laughs> in so many ways when it comes to working here it's like i referenced earlier most of europe or anywhere else in you know The developed world the standard is just completely different it's not just sick days but you know paternity leave vacation days i mean all that stuff like that other people take for basic people workers in most of uh the much of the rest of the world if they were subjected to (laughs) what american workers are they would flip the fuck out it would be completely uh you know untenable Uh, but we just kind of don't have a way of knowing but it just it's been it's normalized so we just put up with it because you know it's it's very it is also very important that they get those stock buybacks so they can artificially drive up the price of their stock increasing their net worth uh, over you know the welfare of their employees can't overlook the importance of that
1: (laughs) totally I I think it's so incredible every time there's like a massive strike in France or like you know Germany you're like what's this over and they were like oh they're you know, uh raising the the retirement age by a month, uh-huh. you know, and they're like, ah! oh,
2: yeah. like I remember there was a,
1: <laughs> right, right. This everything burns to the ground. There was a protest in France and they were like dumping food out at the border, uh, I think with Spain. And I was like, what's going on? Why are there like all these protests and they're stops like shutting down the street and they're like, oh, they're protesting Spain sending in cheap goods into France and like devaluing the local like food economy. And I'm like, wow, Mm -hmm. I wish we could do that. (laughs) We're so used to eating shit in this country. And that's why I think this story breaking through and actually having more legs than just a couple days um, is something to note in and of itself. And if there is a strike in the future, if there's a wildcat strike, if there is some kind of action, there is right now a GoFundMe to support the rail workers. Um, maybe we can put that in the, in the, in the description below, but I do think that has the potential to give in the atmosphere of pro labor sentiment, given like the retail workers from Starbucks to, you know, uh, Apple to wherever else, um, that it, it like, I think we could be on the precipice of, of a series, like a, a kind of a moment, a, a, a moment that, um, that we need.
2: I mean, I think. You know, there's been some signs of that hopefully building for a little bit now. You know what I mean? Like with the, I mean, all the the bitching employers been doing about nobody wants to work anymore and all that shit for the past, you know, months and a couple of years or however long it's been basically comes down to people just refusing to continue working for, you know, shit wages. People do seem like they're yeah. waking up a little bit. There's been other labor movements in recent months that have, you know ultimately worked out and that have sort of like uh broken through and made an impact so i mean i agree with you it seems like perhaps hopefully maybe we are on some kind of precipice like that. i
1: think yeah if christian smalls from amazon labor union could just get on a train i feel like there'd be no stopping this movement he's the best (laughs) just send him in Send him the fuck in. All right, we got to move on to our second story. This is the probably one of the more ridiculous stories, but um, okay. So this was the week where uh, former respectable journalist uh, Matt Taibbi, mm-hmm. um, who has long been an opportunistic grifter, um, and just a sort of honestly like a petulant asshole, um, was given. A series of emails uh, and internal communications uh, from Twitter by Elon Musk. So Twitter communications given to this journalist by the richest man in the world, now currently the guy who owns Twitter. And so um, Matt goes on a 20 plus thread sort of like, you know, uh, expose on twitter being like i'm gonna reveal something so amazing to you about hunter biden and twitter and how freedom of speech and please subscribe to my sub stack but don't because i'm actually just releasing this on twitter first but anyways still love me so i was trying to like again duck under this like a big wave and you're like i just want to, this to wash over me and like not have to think about it but it's actually kind of entertaining, especially considered again what a petulant a hole Matt Taibbi is and has been. And this is coming from someone who thinks he's probably one of the best writers I've ever read. He used to be dope as hell. Yeah. And then,
2: well, <clears throat> <throat> so I, he I, I saw
1: his star. Anyway, I have thoughts on like. Just let me. He he like people like Glenn Greenwald were banking on Hillary Clinton winning in 2016 so they could continue their contrarian, Democrats are the real enemy, and I don't have to think or talk about fascism. And then the fucking fascists won, and they were like, shit, I don't want to be in agreement with all these people. I know. I'm just going to actually call uh, free speech, use the word free speech, and have that sort of be like a cudgel um, to defend against all of my crap takes, which are basically a defense of those same fascists.
2: So I had the not kept up with taibi uh evidently until recently he'd sort of fallen through the cracks for me i had no idea because like when i was younger my dad was a huge rolling stone guy and he like yeah life, lifelong subscriber to rolling stone whenever i go to the house or what i just read a lot of rolling stone and i know taibi wrote for them in like the 2000s and the time when i was on fire with hatred for george w bush and i just remember back Ugh. then he was like you know, he was like my dude, back. <laughs> I just remember, I remember right. being like, you know, both verbose and vulgar and, you know, calling W a scurrilous donkey fucker or whatever, like stuff like that. <laughs> right. Yes. You know, and like, I liked him <clears throat> and then I didn't, I had not kept up with, him. I didn't realize that he had followed that uh, unfortunate trajectory that you laid out there until recently when all this a uh, new shit started coming out and I do think it's a shame, but I guess I'm not really that surprised. Cause you, you know, you said petulant asshole. I mean, I feel like, you know, if you're being uh, honest and objective about it, that was always there. <laughs> and, <you>
0: know,
2: <laughs> like, I guess just it's sort not of not that hard to, to believe or understand, but I am sort of bummed out by it.
1: I've been bummed out by it. I went on a deep dive mm-hmm. a few years ago about Taibbi and just a quick digression the one of the things he did is he met up with a journalist once speaking of petulant met up with a journalist who'd read his book it wasn't his the Eric garner book which i think was actually some good journalism some other book about basically his time in russia as you guys know he was a journalist in russia and sort of participated in this like kind of like a dirt baggy ironic satirical and heavy quotations publication that was ultimately pretty sexist and racist and messed up and like um was kind of like a uh like a playboy of the expat scene in russia so anyway that's his backstory he meets up with his journalist the journalist goes like um i didn't like the book actually i thought it was bad it was like a collection of some of the writing from that uh time period and he throws a cup of coffee in their face right that to me like i'm like what i know i would
2: never you know how much shit has been talked to me uh you know like maybe not in person but like especially on the internet i just i would never i've had you know but if
1: someone was like honestly like to be honest like like intellectually like frankly i just didn't really care for your book you know what i mean it wasn't your best bam throws a cup of coffee this is such a digression the point is what the hell happened what was released uh, by Taibi? Okay, So this is uh, from The Verge, and uh, Elon Musk promised Twitter expose on the Hunter Biden story as a flop that docks multiple people. So those multiple people were two Twitter. Uh, workers, and Ro Khanna, like the representative Ro Khanna's personal email was released. It includes shots beto- of emails between Twitter's leadership, members of the Biden campaign, and outside policy leaders. At one point, there's even a confidential communication from Twitter's deputy count- general counsel. That's what is in it. The emails show Twitter's team struggling with how to explain their handling of the New York Post story that broke the news of Hunter's leaked laptop files. Again, the ones in which he fucks and does drugs and whether they made the correct moderation decision in the first place at the time it wasn't clear if the materials were genuine and twitter decided to ban links or do or to or images of the post story citing its policy on the distribution of hacked materials the move was controversial then primarily among republicans but also with free speech advocates worried about twitter's decision to block a news outlet i mean the post news outlet okay you know sort of a gray area there. While Musk might be hoping we see documents showing Twitter's largely former staffers nefariously deciding to act in a way that helped now President Joe Biden, the communications mostly show a team debating on how to finalize and communicate a difficult moderation decision. Quote, I'm struggling to understand the policy basis for making this unsafe, one former communications staffer wrote. Will we also mark similar stories as unsafe? Asked another. Yol Roth, Twitter's head of trust and security at the time, trust and safety at the time, said the company had decided to err on the side of caution given the severe risks here and the lessons of 2016. Remember the, you know, the Hillary's emails, the October surprise around WikiLeaks, um, and and the DNC hack, et cetera. Jim Baker, Twitter's deputy general counsel, weighed in to agree that, quote, it is reasonable for us to assume that they may have been hacked and that caution is warranted. Musk claims that this is proof of government meddling, but it is plainly not. Um, Musk said, and he tweeted, if this isn't a violation of the Constitution's First Amendment, what is? But the email appears to show the Biden campaign, which is not a government entity, flagging tweets to Twitter for review under their moderation policies before the election even took place. Taibi says, even, there's no evidence that I've seen of any government involvement in the laptop story. So by his own admission. Now, who gave Taibi again, who gave him this, this fucking shit? Taibi's handling of the emails, which seems to have been handed to him, at Musk's direction, though he only references, quote, sources at Twitter. Yeah, who's left? Bitch, there's nobody left. It's just Elon going through old things, being like, here, do this. Take that.
2: Right, yeah, they definitely thought it'd be some huge uh, gotcha moment or whatever. I just don't—I don't think it's possible for me to care about a story that's even remotely related to that goddamn laptop anymore. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <No. clears> that's <throat> just—but it's—it's like I don't. But it's
1: so—it's sorry to interrupt. It's no. so perfectly this this gradation of grift, which is I'm not defending the laptop story. I'm defending the right for the laptop story to get out there. I'm not defending Kanye West. I'm defending his right to say that the Holocaust was a good thing. Like that, do you understand right. like the, how it happens, how we're just kind of normalizing? Like, what the fuck, Matt Taibbi? That's not even a story. Again, no amount of malfeasance was found on that laptop
2: yeah and i i don't know i mean i just don't uh maybe this is a, a slightly personal thing for me because anecdotally like you know i'm super liberal all over the internet and i've had shit pulled down uh blocked whatever you know i I got banned from tiktok for hate speech uh, still unsure how that worked <laughs> yeah i managed to get back on I, I went through this whole thing i was like are you t- like so are you telling me that American conservatives are a protected class under your conduct policy. Cause if they are, then yeah, you got me, I, you know, <laughs> I guess right. that would be hate speech, you know, lock me up, but otherwise that's not, and they, I just, I, it took me like three weeks, all kinds of back and forth and they, I never got a real explanation, but they did unblock me. But I'm saying like, <clears throat> I get dinged all the time right. by, you know, and I know it's, you know, it's snowflake conservatives who are easily offended by what I'm saying you know who are reporting me to the authorities to have me canceled for offending them, and you know, they're absolutely. Their or if you say
1: if you say Palestine, you're like <clears throat> you're done, you're out. But is Elon Musk taking up that clarion call now? Right.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's just like and then but and then some of the things like shit that could genuinely hurt people, genuine misinformation. You know what I mean? Medical misinformation in the midst of a pandemic is like it should be treated a little differently than some of this other shit. But to them, it's all the same, you know. Right. Um,
1: Stop trying to make Hunter Biden's laptop happen right. is what Trey and I are trying to say. Yes. It's never going to happen. But it is interesting that this CEO now um, who purports free speech deliberately handed directly and deliberately handed this Internal communications to a like, like all kinds of ethical journalistic lines crossed, all kinds of like, you know, like, like forgets free speech. This is just kind of like weird tech overlord behavior. And to weigh in on it, I do want to bring in my guest, Canadian tech critic, host of Tech Won't Save Us podcast, and author of the book Road to Nowhere. Please welcome Paris Marx. Paris.
0: Hello, can you hear me? Loud and clear. perfect
1: um what the hell like that's all i want to ask you paris what is going on here (laughs) what does it mean that it was bad enough and we'll talk about elon that he's been you know letting white supremacists back online all this and that but suddenly this bizarre um attempt to expose twitter for their suppression Mm. of information from what i read from what you understand of this story. Was there suppression of information?
0: No, I, I, I can't say I've uh, paid too much attention to what's been going on with the Hunter Biden laptop stuff, because like Trey, I'm just uh, profoundly uninterested. Um, <laughs> I, I think it's a non-story in many ways. But I think it's interesting that since Musk has taken over, he's really wanted to shape the narrative around, you know, the Twitter that existed before um, he owned it, you know, because as you might remember, there was kind of a six-month period where he was trying to litigate in the court of public opinion, but also in a court in Delaware, um, you know, around what Twitter was actually doing, around whether its its business kind of aligned with what it was saying publicly. Um, and right after he took over, he released Slack messages, screenshots of Slack messages that suggested that, you know, he was right the whole time and what Twitter was saying never really aligned with um what they were saying publicly, right? Right. What they said internally was different and they were kind of admitting that Elon Musk was right, which was not true actually, but it's just Elon trying to shape the narrative. And so then if we look at, like, the Hunter Biden laptop stuff, it's once again Elon Musk trying to come in and say, like, look, what they were doing before was really terrible. They were suppressing free speech, all this kind of stuff. You know, the content moderation was much too heavy. But there's another piece there where since Elon Musk has taken over, he's also wanted to say, like, you know, the world is talking on Twitter, right? What happens Mm -hmm. on Twitter is very important. Um, It's where everyone who is, like, having these important conversations are and where the media is like litigating these important topics. And so he wants to say that not only does Twitter provide a lot of kind of links to news stories, which is not true, like that it provides a lot of traffic, but then on top of that, that a lot of actual kind of reporting and journalism happens on Twitter, which is why he directly went to someone like Matt Taibbi to say, here are these documents. When you report what is in them, they can't be on your sub stack. You need to post the thread on Twitter so that this whole discourse kind of happens there. So it's interesting yes. to kind of see that play out and what he is trying to kind of frame Twitter as, um, but also what he's trying to, um, you know, how he's trying to use someone like Matt Taibbi for his own purposes. And, of course, Taibi's perfectly happy to to go right along with it.
1: To expose nothing <laughs> like <Yeah. laughs> let's get back to like what was the headline it's you know it's somewhere in like the number 40 thread like that is where yeah. it is um
0: twitter removed dick pics but matt Taibi won't actually tell you that in the thread you know yes this is the thing that the biden campaign was kind of flagging in this email that seemed to show that like oh my god they're asking twitter to remove um tweets right but actually at least four of four out of five of them were apparently photos of hunter biden's penis um which they so I let's be think real it's okay they took that down
1: <laughs> we do but they're very envious of it and so yeah. they of course wanted to see it and um elon evidence- musk in particular Oh, yeah. I mean, that's evidenced by their obsession with Hunter Biden making a whole ass movie about him, um, again, which makes him look really cool. And they're like, give us those dick pics. (laughs) Um, We can't get hard unless we see them. I'm sorry. But that's that is totally where they're at. Um, No, I think that's a really interesting thing that he used him as a foil to put some shine back on a Twitter being like, Hey, you guys are leaving this platform, but actually it's, you know, it's really important and we're breaking real stories. But ironically, the people who are leaving are honestly all the people who he wants gone anyway. I mean, the people who are coming back are the white nationalists are the people who just want to like say the N word a million times. And the people who are leaving are the people who I want to listen to are largely women of color marginalized voices people who are getting death threats now or have gotten them um yeah so yeah
0: it's fascinating that every time he does one of these stunts as well whether it's like some kind of tweet that's just like absolutely ridiculous and kind of sets off a firestorm or something like what he did with Matt Taibbi here he'll then like post a tweet not long after and be like look engagement is on fire tonight like (laughs) you know the platform is so healthy and active and it's like man like all the advertisers are fleeing your platform. Like people hate it, but people like, like Twitter, you know, I feel like we need to understand that Twitter is a place where it's user base kind of loves the drama, right? They love to yes. see like the shit going down. That's why it was so entertaining to have Trump on the platform, even though Trump was like terrible, right? Was because like you had to, got to experience like his, his crazy tweeting in real time. Um, And so of course, as the richest man in the world is kind of destroying this platform and kind of um you know causing all of this chaos of course the user base of twitter the like core user base is going to be on there being like what is this dude doing now
1: yeah i mean it's th- that's why people rubberneck you know there's a fiery car wreck it's bad but there's a slowdown because a lot of people are like whoa is there a dead body yeah. you know that's what we're doing i mean it's that's very morbid but this is effectively what's happening um and I, I guess I'm back and forth, right? Initially I was like, this is awful. Then I was like, this is entertaining. Then I'm like, this is awful. And I sort of go, I do this dance. I don't know, Trey, where you're yeah. at in terms of like-
2: What, the current Musk, state of tr- of Twitter?
1: of Of Musk buying Twitter. <clears throat>
2: Uh, I'm well. Just again, just to make it entirely about me, uh, I Please. had I had recently had a little bit of momentum on Twitter, you know, for whatever reason, I was uh, gaining followers and whatnot, and so it just checks out to me that it got set on fire and everything's falling apart and it's all filled <laughs> with Nazis now. It's basically it getting
1: I, good for you. Yeah,
2: right. As <laughs> soon yeah. as I started to turn a corner over there, and then you know it just mushroom cloud uh so (laughs) i find that humorous uh no i don't like i I don't if i'm being honest i mean look like you know it used to be things that actually happened were you know real and things that didn't were not and stuff like that you know and i feel like if you're presenting yourself as someone who reports facts and you report something that's not a fact as a fact it's totally okay for a moderator to flag that as not being a fact because it isn't a fucking fact like you know what i'm like (laughs) that's that's how i feel about all that i feel like it's generally pretty reasonable but also i do still feel like like with most social media people build their own bubbles and everything anyway there's been some pretty major trash on twitter for a minute i'm not saying there's not more trash now but like you know you could still sort of curate your own experience to a certain extent yeah. and also you know i've seen people saying don't seed the space whatever that type of thing too like i haven't left and i'm not going to leave is what i'm saying and i'm still going right. to be just as you know just as annoyingly liberal as thirsty. i've been doing and thirsty yeah. yes all that. None <laughs> of that i'm not changing any of that so you know we'll just but do.
1: i and i mean and i think a lot of people are at that same spot but i'm curious about that the question about moderation right you know like we know that this Hunter Biden suppression story is largely BS, that the right is just trying to make it into something and Elon's trying to make it into something. Biden wasn't even in the goddamn White House when it you know, came out. But Paris, what about content moderation um, and these private companies? You'll, you'll hear a lot of folks say, look, this is a private company. Um, they have every right to do whatever they need to do. Um, and it's kind of a I don't know, kind of a straw man. I don't know what the right framework, I mean, what to call it, but it's sort of like a crappy um, defense uh, that is absolutely true. You know, you can't really violate the First Amendment. Like this is not necessarily government run, but maybe it should be, Yeah, right? So what what about moderation? Like what is, where where do we need to be? Like where should we be in terms of content moderation knowing how quickly misinformation and hate speech um rises
0: yeah i I would say you know i think it's important to recognize that moderation is really important especially in these platforms that are so massive that have such large number of users right um like when you think about how we use these platforms we wouldn't use them if or most of us wouldn't use them if there was like hate speech all over the place Mm -hmm. and like you know who knows what other kind of like terrible content i don't even want to name it all off right but right. like if these things weren't being moderated then the experience of using it would be much much worse and i think that you've kind of seen that with things like parlor and these other kind of like alternatives to twitter where sure a lot of these right-wing folks like move to them quickly but then engagement dropped off really fast because you're in like kind of a, a very small filter bubble but also it's filled with like all this evil kind of hateful stuff and why do you want to see that all the time right i don't Um, want to
1: talk to that many virgins like at once
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah um but then like if, if you think about on top of that you know the question is like What kind of content moderation should we have then? And the right is really engaged on this question and arguing a lot that like, you know, we need more free speech, we need less moderation so that that we're able to say, you know, the things that we want to say on this platform, but even internal research at Twitter shows that right wing accounts are disproportionately kind of, um, what would you say? elevated they they get boosted right by twitter by the platform um you know the left does not experience that to the same degree it's you know similar to what we used to hear about facebook all the time right that facebook was suppressing conservative voices when actually all of the research into it showed that conservative voices and pages and stuff were getting massively boosted on Facebook. We're influencing a lot of people as a result. Twitter is the same way. But you get this narrative and it gets repeated time and time again, right? It's used with social media. It's used with with regular cable media, right? The liberal media is suppressing conservative voices. And so then CNN and all these other networks want to have more um, Republicans and right-wingers on there to show that, see, we are providing balance, right? We are ensuring that. Exactly. So it's a very convenient um, Um, narrative for them to use that is not true but allows them to kind of you know get more influence on these platforms ensure that their messaging is further boosted on these platforms whether it's traditional media or social media Um, and of course that's very beneficial to the right and the left does not have the same kind of power and influence to have a campaign like that and it's probably a bit more honest about being like um, you know instead of instead of kind of making all this stuff up in order to just get a boost and so I think it's it's kind of worrying then to see how successful the right has been with this and how there are some people who at least kind of position themselves as left who buy into these same kind of narratives and talking points around free speech that really kind of benefit the right um, who are making these arguments and who are benefiting from policy changes in order to you know supposedly enhance mm-hmm. free speech on the platform when free speech is not actually the ability to to say things or whatever but is actually in their mind the ability to further boost what they are saying to ensure yes. it's not being removed while continuing to target left-wing accounts there's already been reporting that left-wing accounts have been targeted under elon musk's kind of leadership of the platform um you know, being banned and things like that. So that's not stopped. Um, but we need to ensure that, you know, we unban a ton of like Nazis and stuff like that who were mm-hmm. banned in years past and allow yeah. these people to say whatever they want. Unless I guess they go really over the line and start saying Hitler is amazing. Like Kanye West did recently.
1: Absolutely. Th- th- that's so perfect. I mean, and yes, those left-wing accounts include a lot of anti-fascist accounts mm-hmm. um, and people who regularly um, call out and go after um white supremacists and then make that kind of their thing they've been banned and i you know i i it's a little you know i don't want to over like dramatize this in terms of like first they came for the blank then they came for the blank and sort of that you know <laughs> you know obviously the like that slope that that phrase um but there's a little bit of privilege in being like, and not to call you out, Trey, but I feel the same way. I'm like, I'm not gonna leave Twitter. I don't, you know. But then there's folks who are straight up getting banned, or like, I haven't been horribly hounded. I'm definitely seeing yeah. way more, way more hate, like, uh, to response to my tweets, right? Like, way more bullshit. And it honestly, if that increased by like say 30 or 50 yeah. percent, I'd be gone. Like, there's no way. Um, but I know folks who have been hounded. Yeah. And there's no way they're going to stay and so and, and my question i guess to you paris is like given that this platform used to be also a cr- incredible mode of getting out the word around r- striking rail workers or you know um any whatever kind of action from from the grassroots what happens like what happens now um that honestly we're just the beginning of this like we're gonna see people targeted more and more and more Um, like if they tweet out their action, maybe more white supremacists show up to it. We obviously, but what do we do? Like, where does the grassroots go? Um, do we go back to Facebook events?
0: (laughs) I hope not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, it's, it's a difficult question because the, the real answer is, um, I would say there's nowhere else at the moment that is a real alternative. Um, you know. Obviously, Mastodon has received a lot of attention in the, you know, kind of uh, weeks after Elon Musk has taken over the platform. And since he initially announced that he was going to do so personally, I, I, you know, I use the platform, I post on it sometimes. Um, I I really don't feel that that's effective replacement for twitter i feel like it's doing something different and there are particular people who are using it who like what it is offering but i don't think that it does what twitter does um and i don't think it's going to effectively replace that there are other platforms that are you know trying to replace it in various ways hive co-host i'm not super familiar with those another one is called post Post. post.news is the url that one's really Uh, being pushed by a lot of influential Silicon Valley types as, you know, this is going to be the one that's going to um, succeed Twitter. Uh, You know, it's funded by Andreessen Horowitz, which, you know, Mark Andreessen is part of that venture firm. He's also invested in Facebook. Um, He was part of clubhouse as well. Uh, You know, he's taken a really hard right turn as many of these venture capitalists have. Um,
1: You don't say
0: another
1: right-wing tech venture capitalist. Uh, trying to uh, float their new platform.
0: Exactly. Are
1: there any good ones? Like, honestly.
0: <sighs> I, I don't think so. Like, I, th- I think that... The thing about Twitter and the thing that has made it so kind of special Mm -hmm. was that it really was the text platform, right? Right. Like sure there's Instagram where we can post photos and stuff like that, but it's really not made like the comment section is not really made there for like a debate or a back and forth or some kind of, uh, you know, discussion, right? In a way that Twitter is or TikTok where it's very much like a broadcast medium, right? You're watching this, you're experiencing it. Um, but it doesn't have that same kind of engagement, and if you really want to participate, you have to be ready to like hold your phone up in front of your face and and say something, right? Not so many much. people, uh, you know, want to do that all the time. YouTube as well uh, is is still you know very video focused. So certainly Facebook is kind of text, but Facebook has dropped off; people don't use it anymore. So Twitter had this really kind of unique position, and I do think that what Elon Musk is doing to it right now is not really going to allow us to create some effective alternative to it, I think we're starting to see sort of a splintering as Mm -hmm. some people are moving on to Mastodon or Post or Hive or Co-host or these other alternatives. But then you're creating much kind of smaller niche communities of very specific types of people who like these particular platforms. But you don't have the kind of coming together of a large number of people, in particular, people of influence, you know, journalists, politicians people like that who are all kind of using those platforms and in those same spaces so i think that if elon musk does really destroy twitter or not and not even meaning like take twitter offline because he's fired everyone or whatever right but just like really kind of destroy the community of twitter what made it special
2: yeah. um
0: i don't think that that is just going to replicate itself somewhere else i think it's just really going to be lost
2: all right great
1: where's <laughs> Where's where's the where's Bean Dad? Where where do they go? Where do we I mean, this is this is the thing about Twitter is like uh I tweet very infrequently, mostly because um I'm I think people in text completely misconstrue what you're trying to say and what you do say. And yeah. like, as someone who's a journalist and a comic, sometimes I'll say something really sincere. Sometimes I'll say a joke. You know, today I was lusting over the Moroccan goalkeeper. Uh, <laughs> There's nowhere to, for me to say that except for Twitter. And I don't really want to post a whole Instagram thing about it. Right. Um, I could. But so. Um, But I think that like, I'm missing out on that common conversation, just sort of like a something that binds us for that few, you know, those few hours, even if it is something really stupid, right? Um, Ideally, it will be something stupid and lighthearted, or if it's something that gets you kind of outraged, but generally, it won't be about like, how the Wokies are taking over? You know, like I would rather not be subjected to that. Like everyone's racist uncle at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so I think it's just sad. I think it is just mm-hmm. I'm lamenting the fact that we won't have that. Um, and yes, of course, the fact that a couple of celebrities follow me on there and that's sad. And you know,
2: they'll never, <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe they'll never. No want to lose that. Tell yet. me about it. I know.
1: I mean, Tate did. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He follows all of us.
2: <clears throat> yeah.
1: <laughs> and straight up, anyone can buy a blue check mark now. Like I have been yeah. seeing people, where I'm like, who the fuck? Oh, got it, got it. Yep you it's funny
0: because you can click on the check mark now too and it'll pop up and it'll say like whether it's an actual verified account or whether they just paid for it <laughs> Paris,
1: <laughs> are they gonna add like on it's like a check mark asterisk like what? yeah right
0: Paris, I gotta... they, they're already doing three colors oh. so now there's gonna be like gray for government i think gold for companies and blue for individuals but it the blue one is still like regular verified people like celebrities and People who are paying for it so i feel like eventually like they're still gonna have to split it out and add like another color or another symbol or or something Uh,
2: i got a vitally important question for this discussion since you got your Mm -hmm. finger
0: on the pulse paris do you know
2: when they're gonna fix the the naming problem with the verified accounts do you know what i'm talking about i I haven't been able to change change my name for three weeks and see like a lot of uh i don't know uh, comedians i use my name to shamelessly promote tour date so my name yes. right now is trey in brea california on november 9th or whatever it's still, <laughs> it's that was working
0: wow this is uh, really early that's uh, almost a whole I know, year, away. I year i know
2: i haven't been able to change it and i actually sent a thing to twitter support and i was like super apologetic i was like listen i know you guys are going through some shit right now i really <laughs> but if you could take the time to have, this is super important to me you know whatever and uh they they actually responded and they said that you know that it's just temporary and it'll be fixed at some point, but they couldn't That's tell so me when, funny. but yeah. So, you know, we're all struggling yeah. out here. And they were like, they were, like we're busy totally. with Hunter yeah. Biden's
1: laptop. Right.
0: Yeah. Just like
1: a, one of Elon's many kids being put to work on, on it. Um uh, well, you also
0: keeps, you can't like, um, actually buy a check mark right now because they had to close uh-huh. it off because so many people were impersonating accounts Brands, and stuff yeah. like that. It was really funny. Hilarious. Um, yeah, <laughs> but he, he keeps delaying it and, like, always has a new excuse um, because the reality is, like, the fundamental problem is you can't have actual people and people paying who have the same symbol or you're just going to keep getting a load of impersonations. Absolutely,
1: absolutely. I love it. Oh, that's why. I was like, why? Oh, right. Because – Lockheed Martin didn't uh-huh. say they were gonna stop selling weapons to yeah. Saudi Arabia or the United and the States. the
2: Insulin thing was a huge one. Right? Yeah, it's yes. yeah. not actually gonna be yeah, free. Right. Uh, unfortunately. Insulin
1: won't be free set. Yeah. Um, Paris, I do want to ask you, like, just like because of your podcast, because of the fact that you focus on this and you're so great at explaining it, what is like your vision? You know, what's your vision for? the internet. I mean, I I think the answer of like, there's no replacement other than obviously in person um, for something like Twitter, or like a, you know, very robust uh, group chat. Um, You know, it's like, it's a moment for us to sort of envision what we do want and what we think, Mm -hmm. who we think should be the owners of these platforms. Um, As someone who's an anti-capitalist, I'm like, let's break it up and have it nationalized. But that also is scary for certain reasons but it there could be checks and balances to make it work but listen libertarians get to fucking go off about you know their visions for the country and the world and i want to go off as a socialist you know on on my ideas for what you know how it should look and making space for you as well not saying you're a socialist necessarily i'm just sort of like what do you think (laughs) there we go so what's like what's what's the goal here what should be what if you were advising this administration or any administration what what's the goal
0: Yeah, so I could talk about this for ages, but let's just say, let's just put it this way. In my view, you know, Mastodon is sometimes presented Mm -hmm. as like socialist social media, right? Mm -hmm. Um, Because it has this kind of decentralized, federalized quality to it. In my view, I see Mastodon as more of like a bit of a cyber libertarian, social media, you know, going back to those early days of the internet when there were these ideas around how, you know, uh, the internet was going to empower the individual uh, against the state and we kind of forgot that corporations exist too and we're just going to come in and take everything over, right? Um, And so if we're thinking about like what socialist social media is going to look like, I would say one of the fundamental problems we have with digital technology and with the internet is it was privatized in 1995 and then we just kind of assumed that everything that should happen with it from there should be within the realm of the private market, right? Private Mm -hmm. companies should be able to control whatever. There should be no role for the government, for the state, for the public sector. I would say that I think that we need a greater role for the public sector in developing technology that actually works for the public right that doesn't have a profit motive that isn't designed to kind of extract money from you or data from you in some sort of way but is designed very explicitly to serve the public in you know whatever way is necessary and i think part of that could be thinking about what a public social media platform would look like one that doesn't have to you know focus you on engagement and on ads all the time. One that doesn't have to extract crazy amounts of data from you so that it can target ads toward you. Um, You know, a, a platform that's really focused around education, around communication, around different forms of kind of communicating online that we don't have right now, because we're all stuck on these platforms that are controlled by the richest man in the world, or, you know, one of the richest in, in Mark Zuckerberg, wherever he lands on the chart. Now, I think he's down a bit because the, Meta's share price has fallen so much. But I I do think that that's kind of fundamental, right? Is that we need to kind of get over this kind of neoliberal idea that we need to leave so much to the private market that the government or the public sector can have no role. And like in the same way that I know it's more common up here in Canada and some other countries, but like we recognize that there's a role for public broadcasting, right? We recognize that there's a role for, of course, the public post office, right? To be providing people with mail and, and what have you. I also think that there's a role for a public institution to be creating technology for the public good and to be funded properly. So, you know, we're not just saying, oh, that's the shitty technology. We should still be using Google and and all the private stuff but can actually, you know, deliver things that work for people um, and that are designed with people's needs in mind. Um, And and it can even like engage with them right in a cooperative way to learn what people need from technology um, instead of just developing it for, uh, you know, to make a bunch of money for shareholders.
1: Mm, absolutely. I love that. And, and I think, you know, one of the, one of the things my mind goes to is like the next door app, right. Which is sort of this like yeah. disgusting way to like rat out on like which homeless person is, you know, trying to eat like, you know, like it's like, but what it does is it sort of sells you on community get to know your neighbors blah blah blah. but it is privatized it is only certain people and it would be so nice if that was like part of your county you know or that was part of your like your town like they you know that that was in public hands um not in some app again or like or like the citizen app to pick a worse example right kind of like um like crazy surveillance shit like it'd be nice if that was i
0: believe that app was previously called vigilante uh give you an idea of how it works yeah
1: a good friend of mine did a doc on it and i want to have her on to talk about it but like i love that vision and i guess my question is do we move toward that vision through some kind of um you know better regulation and carving out let's say a certain amount of I mean, I, I don't even know, like, because it's not about, it's not like the airwaves or the media, like, sort of the the cable news, but um, some bandwidth, at least, for, or seed money or, you know, grants yeah. or whatever it is for, like, public endeavors um, or educational sites, right, considering that, what, like, 90% of the internet is porn, <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> if, if we're like, hey, okay, I think we should have, you know, like, should be educational, right? Or, you know, 10% is in the public hands, et cetera.
0: Yeah. So I think there's many different ways to approach it. And I would say from both Angles of what you're talking about, I do think that there needs to be more regulation of technology. You know, we can look at stopping these companies from further growing and expanding, um, like Amazon's trying to do by buying MGM or Microsoft buying Activision Blizzard, like stop these further kind of expansions of these companies, the consolidation that's happening, and also maybe look at unwinding some of that size that they have, but also regulating what they do to ensure that you know the the negative parts are more restrained um, because ultimately, if you're constraining what these massive monopolies can do now, you're also leaving an opening for other alternatives to come in there because they can't just keep buying everything up and expanding. But then the other piece of that is, you know, what do we do to encourage more public technology? And I would say that part of that needs to be to ensure the funding is there. And we often forget that, you know, we had this idea that the tech sector is like all private money, um, you know, all private companies. But there is still and and the only reason that Silicon Valley exists was because of public funding from the US government from the US military, but that money still flows um, and we're in a moment right now where that money is flowing more and more. We just had the Chips Act, Act passed mm-hmm. recently to restrict uh-huh. um, you know, what China can do in terms of semiconductors. A lot of money went to Intel and a lot of big chip manufacturers um, as a result of that to encourage them to be producing chips in the United States. Elon Musk gets a ton of money for SpaceX and Starlink and things like that. A lot of these tech companies get public money and we don't kind of recognize it right now. So what we can do is we can say, actually, we should be taking more of that money or we should have a specific set of money that goes into kind of a public um, cooperative that develops technology for the public good that can maybe engage with libraries or other kind of local organizations to find out what people actually need from technology and then develop in response to that so mm-hmm. there are many different ways it that it isn't rain. designed
1: around killing people so <laughs> exactly, like,
0: exactly you
1: know because I'm like okay with like a NASA for tech and then I'm like isn't that just like DARPA or some other like really fucked up you know how can yeah. robots you know mm-hmm. maim civilians? <clears throat>
0: Well, and here's the thing, right, is a lot of the money for technological development comes from the military, mm-hmm. because so many other parts of the government have been, you know, cut back so much over the past number of decades. But the military is kind of like, you know, you can't touch the military, right? It just needs to keep growing. And so they have the money to keep funding all of this development. And so that's why you get so much kind of technology that is oriented toward military purposes. And then maybe later gets kind of like a commercial orientation, right? Um, so the, the internet comes out of the military, of course, but even self-driving cars, like the reason that in the 2010s we had all this excitement around self-driving cars was because in the first decade of the 2000s, the military was funding self-driving car research. And then Google got word of it, got excited about it, hired some of those people and said, you know, this stuff that uh, the military is kind of trialing in the battlefield, well, now it's going to revolutionize cities and we're all going to like get around in these robo taxis in a few years. Of course, that never actually happened, but you can just see like the relationships that exist there um, that we don't always recognize that kind of happened behind the scenes.
1: Absolutely. I love it. Oh my God. Every word I am doting on. And, and, and also it's, (laughs) it's, you know, it is um, the United States government, you know, with one breath saying, you know, well, Amazon needs to stop union busting and then contracting with Amazon in the other, in the next breath. And you're like, if we were really serious about that, then there'd be some, kind of consequences um i mean amazon to me is just it's got to go it's got to be nationalized there's just no way it's yeah. too fucking big it is ubiquitous it's everywhere and as a new mom i don't want to give it up because <laughs> <laughs> i just want it to be privatized but man it's been saving my ass in these uh tough times and these sleepless nights um paris marks you're wonderful i hope everybody <laughs> listens to paris's podcast tech won't save us interviews with amazing uh writers and and journalists and experts on this topic that is so critical and, and i hope you come back is there anything else you wanted to add something you didn't get to say something you need to plug
0: nah i you know i i think i think we've covered it pretty well
1: i think so too dude elon actually, musk
0: sucks you know actually <laughs> I, I
1: elon musk fuck elon, but also yeah. i forgot i wanted to keep you on because there is one one more segment that we wanted to do
0: sure which is
1: um look guys i fell into this trap all right there's an app called lensa apparently Uh, it's storing all of my images and ruining the (laughs) careers of artists all around i not being a visual artist and i'll get into the kind of art that trey and i do and how ai cannot replicate it Mm. but I downloaded this app, and uh, it you put a bunch of photos in there, and it makes you look kind of cool, also very cross-eyed. Here we go, guys. Here's Francesca in all kinds of um, – I mean, there's my Hunger Games over here. Here I'm like a weird sexual robot cyborg lady. I don't know why it's sexual. She just looks like she's a sex worker. Um, here I'm cross-eyed, but I kind of look <laughs> like my mom. Uh, I look a lot like my mom. Here I look – I don't know. I look like Phoebe Cates over here. And then there's a bunch of other ones where I mostly look like um, Aubrey Plaza or Olivia Munn, which for me is like, it's like the app going like, yeah, you're cute. But like Aubrey Plaza's cuter. Like, yeah, you're cute. But have you ever <laughs> thought about looking like Olivia Munn? Very funny. And I want to know, y'all, is this good? Is this bad? This is AI.
2: Um, yeah. I'm terrified of robots Uh, fully. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not happy about any of this stuff at all though. Like last night I was watching Netflix with my wife and uh, Alexa out of nowhere just stated the time, you know, like unprompted <laughs> just said the time. And so me and my wife start whispering to each other like, why'd she say that? What's going on? She's like, like we're afraid of her overhearing <laughs> us, you know, cause she's listening. And she, every time I see Boston dynamics put out a new video of one of their little robot dogs doing a dance or something, I imagine it doing so on a mass human grave uh, cause I just, <laughs> that's just how I see that playing out. I don't know if I watched Terminator too many times or what, but yeah, no, I'm not, uh, I'm not overly on board with any of this AI shit. Wait, um,
1: do you know that even more scary, I'm not going to say her name because she is listening. And if I say it, she'll start talking to me in the room. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, if you whisper at her. She will whisper back at you. Yeah,
2: see that's freaky. I don't like that. Which is scary uh, as hell. But but this but I this, had no this. idea. Picture <laughs> the picture thing you're doing, you said because I didn't know about this until today doing your show. You do you you show it a bunch of pictures of yourself and then it just yep. makes other pictures of you.
1: Okay, there's a few steps. First, you subscribe for thirty dollars. It's thirty wait, hang on. Subscribe for thirty dollars, but you totally can cancel <laughs> after the but most people will forget to upload 20 pictures of yourself totally normal then you wait for about a couple hours and it spits out all these ai generated artwork pieces
2: okay all right
1: that's what it is and they're all in a different genre and you're like oh cool i look cool yeah that's the goal
2: yeah i mean i can see how it is cool to have that to get those but i'm saying i'm not like in all of the capabilities of that software maybe it's because i'm too dumb you show it 20 pictures (laughs) of your face right and then it's like okay i'm gonna take that face and put it in space or whatever that's not like that's not that well the
1: funniest (laughs) part is that matt did it my husband did it but we didn't you're not you're supposed to give them good interesting backgrounds because they take colors and stuff and they use that but he just wanted all the good looking photos of himself which he thinks is just the same face that he makes so we uploaded like 14 of kind of the same face and the AI spit out the worst portraits. It's just him looking a little bit worse, like a little cross Mm side. And it's the same. It's very funny. The point is that you can trick it into being bad, but these are actual people who created, they wrote the, Hmm. they wrote the programs, correct Paris. It's, it's not actually a robot with a paintbrush.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm very conflicted on them. I'm I'm very much like Trey in that I hate the robots as well. I I like don't even own a. I won't say the name. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I, no. I I don't have these speakers. Um, I don't have any of like the. Smart I don't home know stuff. her.
1: You're the moron. Yeah, yeah. I don't know her.
0: I like avoid it all. I'm very. I'm very. Uh, this obviously my show is tech won't save us. So you know, I'm. I'm kind of. This is hardwired into me. <laughs> if you, but when if it, you're, you're
1: <laughs> like you're like in the middle of your show, you're like. You just call out for you-know-who and you tell yeah. her to edit your podcast. People are like, mm, I feel like this is a conflict of interest. Sorry, yeah, right, exactly. keep going.
0: No, no. But, you know, the AI art stuff, It's it's been fascinating to me because I feel like, at least on the section of Twitter that I'm on and, and you know, maybe the media more broadly, I feel like there was this a discussion around AI art and why it was, like, really problematic and why we probably shouldn't be embracing it, like, a few months ago, right? Yes. And then in the past, like, Few days or whatever, I've seen everybody posting these AI art photos of themselves, and I was like, "Did you no, guys got forget like it. what we yeah. talked about we a few months we ago?" Forgot. You know, or, totally. <laughs> um, so I, I, I haven't done it personally. Um, I, I feel like, you know, obviously there's been a lot of discussion on it, you know, in the in the past number of months, as I was saying, and. I'm very conflicted about these kind of softwares because now the one that you see as well is one that um, is apparently writing chat GPT or something like that. And it's like, oh, look, it knows everything. Um, it can, you can put in a prompt and it can write a really kind of um, succinct essay or, or a few paragraphs about it yes. or whatever. Um, and I feel like people are kind of, as, as we tend to when it comes to these technologies and AI stuff, we're looking at it and we're kind of, expecting that it can do much more than it can actually do Uh when it's actually just i saw someone describe it as like a really good bullshitter kind of right which is kind of what it's doing it doesn't actually have intelligence right it doesn't it doesn't Mm -hmm. know what it's doing it's just trying to put things together and replicate things that sound similar but that's Um, like a
1: college student let's be fair that's about (laughs) that's a college essay it's mostly just bullshitting someone whose brain isn't fully formed just like uh, you know, t- giving you an assessment of a book they didn't actually read, but yeah,
0: yeah, I, I, th- I think it might still be a bit below that. Like it, it's interesting. I was talking to um Zach Zachary Loeb, who's a PhD student who looks into like Y two K and stuff like that. He's really kind of up on the history of Ooh, technology throwback. stuff. Uh huh. And back in the, I think it was the sixties or the seventies, there was this program called Eliza. Um, and it was you know put together then. It was considered like a little kind of AI tool at the time and you would kind of chat with it. And it was kind of like a therapist in a way. Mm. And people actually thought that it was intelligent, that it would knew what it was doing or that they were actually talking to another person. But actually the person who designed it just knew like what people kind of expect to kind of hear back from these kind of answers. Um, And so it was not intelligent at all. It was very (laughs) dumb, but the guy who made it was like, I was so worried, like seeing how people engaged with it and how they thought it was smart because I knew that it wasn't smart at all. And I had just programmed it in this like kind of um, interesting way to assume what people
1: wow. you know
0: would be saying about this. And so now when, you know, I look at these things now, one of the things that Zach said to me was that like, it's the Eliza thing all over again, right? Sure. That happened 50 years ago, but we haven't really moved past assuming that these tools can do so much more because we want to assume that they will do so much more. Right. right. Um, And so, you know, what? it's
1: so fatalistic, too. We have this sorry to interrupt, but we have kind of this fatalism of like, well, guess I don't have to do anything or like just take enslave me, robots. And everyone's like, is it Terminator yet? And it's like, no, Mm -hmm. no, no. We still have agency people. And they're like, oh, no, no, I'm a slave to the robot. Yep. (laughs) Like, I think it's so funny that we're preempting that.
0: Yeah, you know, I think part of the reason that it's better is because these systems have access to so much data now. And, you know, they're reliant on these massive data centers who, that can process all of this data, right? right? So it looks like they can do so much more and they're progressing in these ways, but really there's just more kind of coming into the system. And as you say, like with your husband kind of uploading photos that didn't work for what the system wanted to, you can reach these kind of corners where you put something in that it doesn't fully understand and it spits something out that makes no sense because you've reached, a, you know, a place where it hasn't collected data on something. And so it can't, know, present something to you that looks like it knows what it's actually doing or talking about. And just uh, as you were saying on automation there, like, remember, there was a moment in like the mid 2010s where there was all this all this discussion around like the robots are progressing so fast, they're going to be destroying millions of jobs within a few years. We're we're going to have no jobs for truckers in a few years. Mm. And look at where we are now in this in this pandemic. And you know, it was all a load of hype that assumed that these technologies were going to be able to do so much more than they could always do this over and over.
1: And it's sorry, it's I'm so excited about this because it's also used, and we're talking about rail workers, it's used as a way to preemptively precare make precarious someone's job um and be like well see the, the, the robot is right here i was chomping at the bit yeah. i mean in any moment now in like a year i mean 10 i mean 30 i <laughs> mean uh, you know don't like, ask for
0: better because ex- then we'll just get the robot to replace exactly,
1: you right? exactly exactly
0: amazon workers right don't unionize because then we're just going to bring more robots in to do your job even and, though we keep hiring so many more of you because we need you
1: oh my god yes totally um but Okay, for a go around, and then we'll, we'll get the hell out of here. What would you want to see automated by AI? What do you want AI to do? And what do you not want AI to do? I will go first and just say, the head of Google AI, a couple years ago, I was on a panel with him. And he said to me, I was doing stand-up for this panel. He's, it was a BBC Arts Hour thing. He said to me, he goes, um, do you know the one thing that I haven't, we haven't been able to program robots to do? is to tell a joke like they can tell a joke that you've pre wrote, like loaded into it but instinctually on its own um writing a joke saying a joke or finding something funny like humor we couldn't do it and we can't do it and i was like yes you know what i mean like (laughs) take that burlesque dancers and clowns and other people that comedians compete with (laughs) on a regular basis you know what i mean like like the one thing trey
2: yeah there's, there's well, never
1: going to be a Trey who can take do your tour dates for you, bro.
2: Yeah, I heard that. Uh, I'm not convinced though that Netflix isn't writing some of these their movies with uh, some form of AI or something. <laughs> yeah, because they're pretty shit Yeah, right, yeah right. Definitely like, writing. Uh, they seem like an algorithm spit them out or something. But yeah, now what I would want an AI to do. I mean, I want to say. I want to say nothing because of what I already said earlier. Like, no, fuck robots, right? But, like, I know myself, and, dude, I'd be that fat fuck in the wally e chair, uh, you know? <laughs> <laughs> like, that that stuff starts coming out, I'll let them do whatever they want uh, or whatever they will for me, you know what I mean? They can rub my feet, whatever, um, you know? <laughs> I'll just let it happen. I know how I am. <laughs> I just...
1: Can I, can I just say that I what I want AI to do is to just be on hold yeah with on like for like my healthcare bullshit for me and like sort me through all of that and talk to either other ai or real people. I don't give a shit. I just don't want to be on hold. I want it to like yeah change flights for me.
0: See the solution to your healthcare problem is just uh, public health care. So then you don't need to do that. Whoa, whoa, whoa (laughs) slow (laughs) down.
1: (laughs) Slow down. Yeah (laughs) now we're getting greedy.
0: Instead of tech solutions, maybe we need political solutions. You know?
1: <laughs> that is the thesis of your podcast, I know. <laughs> yeah, um, <right?
0: laughs>
1: what do you think, though, as, a, as such a hater, Paris?
0: Yeah. See, what... I, would, I would love to be able to automate my chores, right? Like, I don't want to do laundry. I just want the robot to do the laundry or, like, totally. to clean the house or something like that. Um, but the thing that we find again and again is that the robot's can't do that Mm -hmm. and actually it's like poorly paid people who end up doing our chores because like you know if you think about the gig economy or so much of what um silicon valley was focused on like in the early 2010s it was really like you know you have this group of young people who came out of stanford um they don't have their moms anymore and so they need They don't want to do the stuff that their moms (laughs) used to do for them. And so like we need tech solutions to what mom used to do. And so that's where the gig economy kind of comes from. A lot of these services Um, and it's why a lot of the companies provide meals, provide laundry service, all this kind of stuff, because, you know, you kind of keep it like a, like a dorm or like your mom's house. Um, And so what we actually find is that the robots don't take over those things. Um, We just get really poorly paid workers and find ways to, like, pay them less and treat them like shit or or pretend that there's a robot doing it when actually there's a worker behind the computer or behind the screen or something that you don't realize is there, um, as is so much as is so often the case. So I would love the robots to take over my chores, um, but I don't think they're going to do it anytime soon. Uh, And so we should make sure that those people are, like, treated good.
1: (laughs) I I want a robot that nurses. Yeah. <laughs> robot i mean just the whole kitten caboodle you know i want to say that made like, a movie this is... about
2: that. did you watch it
1: no. mother
2: did they mother i it's either called mother or i am maybe i am mother is that with, it's about is a that with robot a raising a a girl raising a human girl in the far-flung dystopic future and then shit gets does that wild. work out what do you what do you think yeah it's just uh yeah. like it doesn't it's it. all just like finger painting sessions and rainbows and shit, the whole
0: ninety minutes, and then it goes off. It's just a hard robot role, with if, a robot. If you're talking <laughs> no, about like a, a, a mother and robot, yeah, I would say there's a movie called Frank as well. I don't know if you've seen it I seen where it's, it's like an old kind of retired man and his friend is like this robot, and apparently he used to be like um a jewel thief or something like that and the robot is like oh i need to like cheer him up we need to do something fun and so they start doing jewel heist together him and the robot that's cool. it's like a really sweet movie <laughs> yeah. oh that's well, that sweet sounds, as hell i that like that nice. that yeah. mother
1: shit sounds patriarchal that sounds like see this is what happens when you don't actually
2: no, it's you def- don't it's bond n- with your baby it's 100 i you know robot murder future Movie, it's in that genre, like the well, one of the most popular genres in all of sci-fi. Like it's one of those.
1: Can we just go out with this uh little image from Elon? You know, you say the future is bad, but Elon is Elon's talking about the starship oh taking beings of Earth to Mars, guys. And what? somehow then it all looks... those
0: animals are going to die yeah. when they try to breathe Martian air.
1: <laughs> wow! First of all, those giraffes invested heavily in Dogecoin. Okay, so that's why. <laughs> They're getting on, but, but the people here are being, oh, look, held back at gunpoint.
0: Oh, shit, I missed that. <laughs> Isn't
2: that cute?
1: Isn't that cute? What
0: the
2: hell? Because so, that's
1: what happens. Well, yeah,
2: only two people can get on the Ark, right? Yeah, two
1: by two. Right, right? And yeah. It's already, so... it's... Elon, Elon acknowledging
2: and, like me and whoever my, you know, eighth wife at the time is, will be on there with all drafts and yep. shit, but you
0: peasants will just get and the babies watch us. Uh, whoever will take my IVF, yeah. you know, genetically altered babies, right. uh, he who will, are going to rule the world. Elon
1: wouldn't even take anyone else. He would just take his, like, yes, the IVF babies. He would just take the zygotes or the, <laughs> you know, the, the embryos already, Ugh. ugh.
0: whole colony of can you imagine have you seen the photos of his kids like it's it's so weird to see photo there was he went to like where was it the vatican or something and brought some of his kids along the summer um Mm, and like just to see the photo of him and like a few of his kids um and like to see his face on like these younger bodies it's like so disturbing (laughs) oh god
1: oh god that is really upsetting all right don't work
0: though yeah, you know, <laughs> I know,
2: but you are you know, kind of putting normal. your face onto a smaller person.
1: That's pretty much all and it is. I, it is I mean, that's yeah. it's a good survival instinct, yeah. but honestly. When I get mad at my my daughter, I look in her eyes. I'm like, those are my eyes. Yeah.
2: Can't throw her out a window <laughs> now. She's got I, my face. Yep. Yeah. Right. Nope. I get it.
1: That is exactly yeah. what I think. Yeah. <laughs> Trey is a parent, clearly. Yeah. Um, thank you guys so and much. <laughs> Everybody doesn't have those dark thoughts, Paris. Uh, Paris yeah. <laughs> everyone follow Paris Marks on, I don't know, all the bad platforms. Even um, Twitter. Yeah. Even Twitter, uh, at Paris Marks. And uh, listen to Tech Won't Save Us. Thank you so much. Also, RoadToNowhereBook.com. That is uh, Paris's book about the S- Silicon Valley and some of the things that that you were talking about. Um, Lots in, in there of- on
0: Elon Musk. So, <laughs> Oh,
1: my God. When did it come out? Uh, July. July. Fucking this year, let's yes. Road to Nowhere. Everyone get that.
0: Go um, buy it. It's it's actually if you buy it through Verso Books, which is the publisher, the link yay. is on the website. They have a forty percent off deal. Maybe it's fifty percent oh. off deal right now. It's like their end of year sale. Verso's great for sales. so Love yeah. Verso.
1: Um, okay, get that book. G- gift it. Get it. Read it this holiday <laughs> season. Thank you so much. Be very well. And Trey Crowder. Mm-hmm. Everybody follow Trey. where can we follow
2: you at trey crowder just as long as you see the incorrect way in which i spell my name here yeah it's that on all the silly platforms and also my website trey crowder.com for tour dates and yeah listen to my podcast and all that good stuff and i appreciate you
1: yeah Mm -hmm. t-r-a-e c-r-o-w-d-e-r and i think we're gonna do a little bit extra I, with trey over right. on the bonus so get over there patreon.com are you, got, Patreon are you gonna trey.
2: be super mad at me if i can't now because we went a little long i just want to let know i, I won't okay. be i won't well be. i don't want the bonus fish people to think i'll be there and then i di- I don't so i had to interject but yeah
1: no we did go very long that's
2: okay i mean yeah i'm fine but i do kind of need to bounce now because dude i need to bounce yeah. but <laughs> i
1: i'm gonna do this uh, i know that's a fascinating be- way to
2: end this uh part of Oh no, show, yeah
1: right? this is a great great solid stick mm-hmm. the landing outro mm-hmm. but trey thank yep. you so much for the time you did give to us <laughs> and i'll see you n- hopefully next time yeah and everyone check him out live later dude and thank you guys for being here for sticking with it the- god it was just such a good conversation so i had to keep it going um a couple comments uh from all y'all out there joyce m saying I voted for Raphael Warnock today. Hell yeah. Oh my God. Fingers crossed. Um, 5,000. What's up? Says Trey Crowder is French for third Crowder. Love that. Or very Crowder. Can't remember. I don't know if that's a joke or something real. Um, sir mill says Walker is a walking fever dream. Indeed. Um, fun P thanks for the super chat. Peace and love from Portland. Let's go, Georgia. Um, mr spock it looks good for walker wolf it's a full moon on the seventh werewolves gain strength closer to a full moon oh god um reiki dragon asking about kanye do we know it was kanye under the hood sounded a bit like steven miller absolutely um hef says where is senator herschel walker it's a full moon i think you're completing i'm like who said oh yeah you're talking about yes so clearly we're talking about herschel walker being a werewolf why Although he kind of he kind of looks like when Michael Jackson turns into a werewolf in Thriller, there's like a midpoint. He a little bit looks like that. Um, Darren Scholesvold says Biden should have ended the strike by codifying the demands of the workers, saying, hey, workers, you're right. So we're going to take it from here. And that still helps the economy. Um, Yeah, I mean, he could have. Still broken the strike and then said, We're going to have fifteen days. Let's get that across the finish line. And interestingly, Republicans who voted, I mean, they voted down the seven days, but they could have punted this sixty more days and then worked to, to gain um, to gain some support for that, right? To gain support for fifteen days and still avoided the strike. But again, four hundred business leaders um called upon the status quo Joe to do what he's going to do and swing it in their favor. So I don't know what, where we go from here, but you're right. It didn't have to necessarily go down like this in a million different ways. Um, Amy Rugala, thank you for the super chat. You rock, Francesca. Thank you for inviting Trey. He's one of the best out there. Agreed. Um, King Apo on Twitch, please explain to a naive European from socialist paradise how politicians can forbid a strike. Why would the workers give a fuck and not strike anyway? I mean, it's a 1926 railway act. I think it's long overdue. I mean, out of date. Um, Robert, thank you for the super chat. The good things about Adolf, he's not alive. He had a funny looking mustache. And according to Mel Brooks, Adolf was an excellent painter. Two coats in one afternoon. That's funny. Um, Yeah, this is why you need to nurture your child's artistic instincts. Because otherwise, you get a Hitler. Um, Marshall Ghetto on Twitch, Twitter should be a public utility. Um, or- Orpheus Alcon on Twitch, AI is funnier than right wingers. hef saying, My Roomba is so of- uh, offended by now. Schmegly saying, Podcasters can be replaced. Wow. Wow. No, we cannot. And with that, y'all, let's do this. Um, thanking everyone who supports this show with the fart song. <laughs> I want to thank everyone for becoming a patron at $10 or more. Benjamin Martin, you rock. To Anthony Farnon, thank you for joining the Franny Pack. Get that long part. Um, Oh, I had a big tipper that I don't have on me right now, but I saw it. And thank you so, so much. Next week, I will get to you. um, To the Twitch subs. Um, Dory B for resubscribing 4 month anniversary I nearly forgot this was coming So part, glad to be part of the Frantifa So glad to have you um, Willie Gus resubscribing At tier 1 for uh, You've been subscribed for 23 months Oh my god Seaman Assassin 420 Gave out 10 community subs mm, 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 mm. Thank you so much uh, Centaur Dragon resubscribing at For one month at tier 1 Three months saying Thank you for providing An awesome and funny approach To the news Vituation Room is one of my Fave shows uh, You're one of my fave people. Thank you. Susie Rock cheering 100 bits. Um, Thank you so much. That really, really means a lot. Depressed Progressive resubscribing. 17 months in total. Uh, 17 months with my new favorite mama. We missed you. I missed you all. Hunger Games 1989 resubscribing for one month of Tier 1. Subscribe for 11 months. 11 months with Franny and Trey Crowder. Um, Seaman Assassin back with another community sub. Thank you to the the cheers to ZX227 for 100 bits. Willie Gus. 100 bits budgie snugglers 100 bits you guys don't know what i'm talking about i don't you know it's okay and zx227 saying francesca this is long overdue you're amazing funny and informative i love having you read the news and make me laugh at stories i wasn't sure i could thank you for subscribing uh two months going strong never forget about y'all and of course never forget about the people who helped me make this show happen to Paige omek my producer to maximilian inhoff andy vasoyan and alexandra orness we stream every tuesday 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern again stay tuned for the bonus i'm going to do a little bit more if the baby abides um and i'll see you next week remember fight the power fuck the patriarchy and don't just bitch about it mate about it later